What's up, people? Hotep Jesus. We back. Another uncomfortable conversation. I got a crazy show for you tonight. Crazy, crazy, crazy show. I know y'all been waiting. Sorry to keep y'all waiting, but we are here. We are live. We are ready to roll. As you already know, I'm Hotep Jesus, two-time author, three-time tech startup co-founder. My companies are right here along the bottom. Wazo AI, CoinBizSap, Jiffetize. All links to my companies are in the description box below, as well as all of my books. I'm not even going to waste no more time. I want to get right to our guest today. Our guest today is a very special black woman um, who is, I feel, the most important individual in the black diaspora today. Erica Lachey, what's up, girl? How are you? Like it. Great, wonderful. Um, so this is how we gonna do things, right? First of all, I need to know how you became the queen that you are now, right? So I know you got brothers, right? Right. So there's a strong male presence in in, in your life. Right. Mm-hmm. Did you grow up in a nuclear family household? Um, I I did. So I grew up in a household where I had, you know, my, my mom, my dad, we're still together and I have four brothers. See, see, when black people got that, like I knew that, like when I heard you speaking, I was like, she got her mommy and her daddy. Like, I just knew that straight up because of how well you were put together and, and, and how strong you were, right? Yeah. So that's beautiful. Y'all come from Cali, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Word. West Coast. West Coast, right. Um. <laughs> now, at first I was like, yo, you know, this person is dope. You know, she's 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 great at what she does, blah, blah, blah. I love her rhetoric. But the one thing that made me go, yup, she's the one, is when I saw you playing them keys. I said, oh, she's singing and playing the keys. Because yeah. if anybody knows anything about piano, you're like, this, this is something that uh, rewires you intellectually. So how long you been um, playing piano your whole life? Um, yeah, I started playing the piano when I was 11. So mm. that's when I started. I joined marching band in school against my will. My dad made me do it and I ended up loving it. So, um, so that's how long I've been playing the piano. Let's go, dad. Yeah, my dad, he's like, my both my parents are really dope. You know, um, my mom, I could always just talk to her about a lot of different things. And, she, you know, she would bite her tongue a lot, even if I said something crazy. So that, you know, I, I would continue to talk to her. But my dad was the one who was like always pushing me and like wanted me to do things. And if I had ideas, he was the one who was like, OK, well, I want to get behind that idea. You know, was he in music? No, he wasn't. That's the reason why, because he thought like he would, when he was in school, he said he regretted not doing it. You know, so he, yeah. he wanted me to, to go ahead and, and uh, you know, play an instrument. And it's paying off now. Mm-hmm. Right. You got a song with Tyrese. I do. Yeah. And I have an EP coming out. Um, the Love Movement is scheduled to come out um, at the beginning of October. And basically what it is, this is like a tribute to Black love. I feel like um, a lot of times, I mean, there's a lot of really dope R&B, so I'm not even going to pretend to go there and be like, oh, it's not any good R&B music. But um, I feel like sometimes it can get centered like on the physical aspects. And it's just good to get back to the love. Like if we make that something that's that people want to, uh, you know, obtain rather than just, you know, like one night stands and having sex with somebody or whatever. But 
get back to the black love is going to be dope. Um, I have a song, and I'm going to be brief on this part, but I have a song um, called Loveism that I was working on earlier today. And it's like, it's I wrote it for black men like six years ago, and I was able to get Killer Mike on it as well. So Oh, what? Yeah. Oh, uh, that's... <laughs> That's so dope. Killer Mike is a dope individual. I'm glad to yeah. hear that you've collabed with him. I like Tyrese. You know, he's funny. You know, he goes viral for his little antics, but I, I think he's just being himself, which is so rare these days, right? Yeah. And I love you. I love, like, your approach is very smart, right? Like you said, I can't say there's not good R&B today because there is, right? Yeah, because it is. There's a lot of really dope artists because I, I mean, it would be a slap in the face to the people that I know and I've seen them, like, producing and writing like i can't downplay what they're doing just because like it might not be mainstream doesn't mean it doesn't exist there's a lot of really good r&b i love lucky day uh re lennox um raven lanae there's a whole bunch of people her that's dope um Van what about ro james you ever check out ro james yes ro like <laughs> uh, james luke james it's a lot of really dope R&B, so I can't say like that is not, you know, people just ain't searching for it like they should, but it's out uh, there. It's out I there. saw I saw Carl Thomas in your, in your um, comments. Yes, yes, and we, we're going to be working on something as well. Carl okay. Thomas, um, he's really dope. And um, everybody who's like just reached out to me has been, um, that's one of the things that I appreciate. It's, it's always been just all love. It's not like some different type of weird motives and stuff because sometimes, you know, it's hard it's hard, you know, you deal with people and like they, you know, might send you a message or a DM and all that, but normally it's all love and I know it ain't people just being weird, you know what I'm saying? Right, so how does an artist cope right now with COVID? Cause you guys can't tour and you can't perform. So, you know, I know the rappers are doing some interesting things to like try and create mm -hmm. revenue, like the charge of people get on the mixtapes and things of that nature, which is great for up and coming artists to get exposure. What are right. you doing to kind of survive in COVID as a music artist? Well, I mean, I do, in addition to music, I do own like uh, my earring business, you know, so the earrings that I make, I mean, that I wear, I make them. And so that's something that I do as well. But in addition to that, like music is, of course, like a, a, a huge part of my life. But there's also like the speaking aspect, you know what I'm saying? And the fact that like I'm so animate about Black ownership and Black love, like I'm able to, like even though my streams aren't crazy yet, they're not crazy yet. He's gonna definitely be there, but um, because what you I mean, which dreams like my, my as far as my music streams, like it's not like I have like millions of streams just yet because I'm just getting into things. Like, I'm okay. just like the love movement will be my second EP ever that I put out, and then I put out my first one last year, so okay. um, so I'm still very new into this. But because I do write it all myself, I produce it, I mix it, I own all of that, like, knowing I don't have to do a bunch of different splits or nothing like that, so. The music aspect of it, like, even though it's not going crazy, like it will be once I actually put the EP out, I'm still doing well on that end because I do own all of my music. Mm, mm, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I was, I, I mentor people who have businesses. Some of them happen to be artists. And I always, uh, I always tell the artists, I'm like, screw the streams, right? Like, screw the streams. Figure out a, a subscription model where people can subscribe to you on a monthly basis and get music directly from you and cut out the middleman. You actually make more money that way, too. You ever thought about something like that? I don't know what's going on, but it's getting a little difficult to hear you. Uh, one, two, one, two. Can you hear me now? One, two, I one, two. I hear you like a lot of, um, a lot of hiss. Maybe my little volume is up too loud. 
That's a hiss. Yeah. Chat, chat, let me know. Let me know if uh they said they streaming your music right now. What was that? Uh the people in the chat said they streaming your music right now. Right now, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. So what I was saying was, you know, I, I tell artists not to worry about those streams, right? Mm -hmm. I say build a subscription model where people subscribe to you directly and get the music direct from you. You actually end up making more money. Have you ever thought right. about a business model like that? I have. Like my music, it's not on a subscription base as of right now, but that is something that I have considered. And people can like go to my website directly because a lot of times people they don't they want to like support me directly because they know like I only get a certain percentage of streams and all of that. So like, where can I go? So you can definitely get my music on my website. And uh, when the love movement comes out, it'll be available on my website for people to purchase directly from me if they want to. Oh, that's wonderful. That's mm -hmm. wonderful. Yeah. Um. All right. Let's 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 get into the nitty gritty. Let's get into the nitty nitty gritty. Um. Were you raised in the church? I was. Really? Definitely okay. Was um, in the church. My uh, parents are pastors currently to this day. Oh, My wow. dad is a pastor, yeah. So I was raised in the church. I grew up. Um, you see how I be knowing shit, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I definitely was. Um, I, was a or I was ordained as a minister at 16 years old. So it was something that was like really heavy and deep. I was in... Um, I was the choir director and the church musician. So it was a lot that I was doing. And that's like what kind of laid the foundation for the music and also laid the foundation for speaking because I had to get, get up and like, you know, give lectures and sermons and stuff on occasions. Yeah, your speaking is uh, absolutely amazing. Thank you. Uh, your videos go viral. Um, I have a daughter, right? And she's 16. I have a fiance. Really? Yeah. Yeah, you have a yeah. sixteen-year-old daughter. What? <laughs> I like we were like, I don't know, roughly this. I mean, well, I guess you could have a sixteen-year-old daughter if you like. But. I turned forty this year. Okay, yeah, you're yeah. You years on me. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I, we're, we're about a decade apart, you know. But I think mentally we're in the same space, right? I think we're definitely in the same space. Yeah. Um, what people may see from the OTEP Jesus brand forward facing, if they've never dove into my content that you'll never understand me i'm there's so much nuance to me but anyway um so you know i look for people like you to say hey check this out right like i know my daughter's gonna listen to certain things but i like to plant those seeds hey watch this video or listen to this or listen to that so i'm glad people like you exist where are the rest of you at <laughs> um, i feel like we like we be around it's just we might not be like as vocal on social media because I feel like um, social media is one thing and there's a certain type of person that could be on social media and be active, but still like be, be progressing in real life. But that's not like a whole lot of people. So the majority of people that I know that are like minded are like making moves in real life. You know what I'm saying? It's like they got a lot going on and they might not be like 100 percent consumed in like the social media aspects, you know? So. I had spoke to uh, president of Hotep Nation, A.R. Morton, Doe Deuce, author of uh, Train Down Nation last week. And I told him the same thing. I'm like, yo, there's a lot of us that just ain't online. You know, right. like, black people, like black people don't really be online like that. We 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 over index for other races online. But there's a whole lot of us that really ain't 
doing too much online stuff. We might get the little Instagram scroll and watch, but we don't do it a whole lot. So I love, yeah, you're absolutely on point with that. So I got to ask you, you say a lot of controversial things. You say a lot of things that go against the grain of, I can't even say black consciousness. I have to say uh, black narrative, today's black narrative. Yeah. How is that affecting your music career, girl? Ain't you afraid of getting blackballed? No. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, if I'm scared, then I don't deserve a platform in the first place. Like, Ooh. why do I have like a voice to say things if I'm not going to use it? You know what I'm saying? So I'm not afraid, first of all. Um, I might not be like all the way invested like in Christianity as of, as of, as of right where I am in my life right now. But I still do like there's a lot of scriptures that I that I that I like. And there's one that says, For my God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power of love and of a sound mind. What I got to be scared of, you know, if we say we kings and queens and gods and goddesses, what what is what is a God afraid of? You know what I'm saying? Like what I got to be scared for. I honestly feel like my footsteps are ordered and being real like this has got me this far. You know what I'm saying? If I were to switch up that's when I would miss that, you know, like getting Tyrese on a song wasn't because my manager got in contact with his manager. I don't even have a manager. You feel me? Like he reached out to me because he liked what I was doing. And I asked him and he said, yes, you know, the same thing with Killer Mike. I reached out to him. Uh, well, he followed me first and, I, you know, we followed each other. And then I reached out and I asked him and he said, yes. And so everyone who's been like hitting me up has been because of the genuine and authenticity and I'm not about to change that up because I don't know how to be anything but this, you know, and oh. I, I feel like I've been prepared like to have thick skin with only growing up with four brothers, you know, cause black men, y'all be playing like a lot. Y'all always <laughs> want to joke and you know what I'm saying? So I had to develop really thick skin at a young age. And so when people were like calling me a pick me or whatever they want to call me a mammy, whatever, I'm not going to stop doing. I mean, I'm used to it. Like, you feel me? So, yeah, yeah. it it takes that strength, right? To say mm -hmm. the things you say, because the comments are so invective and they're coming at you. And that's what I'm always looking. I'm like, yo, I know she getting hell in the comments. Like sometimes I just park up in the comments like, ooh, they're going to be mad at this one, right? Right. So the strength right. comes from being around your brothers always having jokes, right? Yeah, because it's like, can't nobody say nothing to me that's gonna hurt my feelings. You know, like I grew up with four brothers and no sisters. So it was just a household full of like, you know, taking jabs and making jokes at you know, with each other. And then in addition to that, like my dad, and this is what I think is really important. The reason why I campaign for black men so much is because I know like how beneficial it is when like the black man is in the house, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, because my father was there, he validated me and I'm not out here. Cause a lot of people say stuff that they don't even believe themselves, but they say it for clout because they're going to get the attention that they're looking for. I'm not out here looking for like clout and validation. You know, I already have that. I'm not out here searching for a bunch of weird stuff because I was loved properly when I was young, you know? Uh. And so it's like, I say these things because I know that I'm loved well by solid people and damn what everybody else got to say, all these people that's on the internet insecure, and then they fill in and tweeting all day long because Twitter is legit all they have in life. You know what I'm saying? 
that Uh-oh. ain't me. So I'm not sitting up mad. You feel me? I'm not sitting up getting my feelings hurt. I tweet some, mute the tweet, keep it pushing, going by my day, you know? Uh, all right. So you slipped up and said something that we're going to have to go back to. Okay. <laughs> I'm just looking at some of these comments here on my phone. You know? Oh, it's all good. Um, <laughs> so um, you said, it, I, I can't call it a departure from the church, but, and I don't want to say it's a drift from the ch- church, but it seems to be some exploring away from the church is what I want to say. Is that what I heard? Yes. Well, what is that about? Um, I just feel like the way that we learn Christianity is through a Eurocentric lens and it's very detrimental. You know, mm. um, I feel like it's, it was one of like the best things and one of the worst things that happened to us because it taught our people to like, have a song, a strong sense of faith and spirituality, which is beautiful. You know, that's one of the reasons why, one of the many reasons why we're so resilient. But at the same time, we absolve ourselves of a lot of personal responsibility. Like there's a lot of things that I do like, but one of the things I can't get with is like blaming stuff on like, on devils and demons, you know, like, because then we don't change. Like if I could say I have a lion demon that I need to get delivered from, then I never really take accountability for my character flaws. These are character flaws. It's not on somebody else or some other force. These are things that I have to take accountability for and fix. And um, so that's, I mean, there's just, I mean, that among like other things is a lot, you know, and I'm not really- Jesus? I mean, yeah, but, but see, that was something I never believed. You know what okay. I'm like, I was fortunate enough that like my parents, they knew what was up, you know, and I ain't never believed Jesus was white. You know? right. I never believed that. Um, and my dad was the one who taught me the scripture, you know, Psalms 82 and six says that ye are gods. And then Jesus says it again in John 10 and 34. So he wasn't on no weird stuff when it came to that, but there's still some things. I feel like there's some good that we could take from it, but you know, we just have to look at it outside of a Eurocentric lens, you know, Mm -hmm. if we are going to, you know, black Christians, if black Christians, it's not a knock or anything like that. But if you do, just look at things outside of a Eurocentric lens. What? Know? What? So, so uh, if it's not white Jesus that's Eurocentric, you know, what else is it about this religion that's Eurocentric, or what is it about this religion that has you exploring away from it? Um. The. Uh, I, I feel like most of it stems from just like a lack of, a, of accountability. It's all accountability. Okay. Because a lot of times we wait, you know, black people really have like a savior and a messiah complex. Mm. And uh, that comes from that. We're waiting for someone to come save us instead of coming and doing the work ourselves. Mm. And then the way that like Christianity is taught, it like makes us feel like there's something wrong with like being successful or having money. You know, like we, we say mm. things like poor righteous teacher when that's not even like the Bible says the poor is despised by his neighbor. You know, what I'm so where are we getting this from? We say things like, you know, money is the root of all evil. And that's not what scripture says, first of all. And then second of all, the scripture says that money answers all things. So it's like there's a lot of like brainwashing that goes in because we won't go and get the resources that we actually need to build our communities because we think that these resources that will help us is inherently evil. You know, and so yeah. there's just a lot of different things that I am not necessarily aligned with that yeah. I feel like we need a, a different perspective and um, just, you know, perception of, of, of a lot of what we read. 
Are you exploring other types of spirituality or um, meditation? I, I, or? I do like, um, I definitely, I'm, I'm not, I mean, let me not act like I do it all the time, but I have meditated something I want to do more consistently. Um, I am a registered member of the nation of Islam, you know, so I was learning a lot about, you know, uh -oh. the supreme wisdom, things of that nature, you know, so there, there there's some different things that I've uh, looked into, but I really do rock with the teachings of the nation of Islam. You know? Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that leads to my, I'm glad you said, at least my next question, right? So in order to have the mind that you have, you have to be well studied uh, amongst some of the more hidden teachers of the black community. And I know you've studied them. So I'd love you to list some of your favorite influences that you've studied. Mm -hmm. who, 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 who could you mention today that, that you studied some influences on you? Some influence that I've studied. I mm -hmm. mean, John Henry Clark. I actually haven't gotten too deep into John Henry Clark. I'm not even on front. Okay. Um, there's a lot that I need to get into. Um, but one of, of course, the major influences is the minister. He has, Miss um, Parkon, he has a lecture called How to Give Birth to a God. And that was the one that kind of really um, changed some things and how the way that I thought, you know, so it was him, um, Khalid Muhammad. Uh, Woo, Khalid Muhammad, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mother Tynetta, you know, she was more so in like, on a whole nother realm. Like a lot of people don't know who she is, but yeah, Mother Mother Tynetta, she she spoke on a lot of things that would be considered like somewhat esoteric and you know, just on a whole another level of thought. But um her and um I mean that's I feel like that would encompass like who I've actually studied. I mean there's things that I've heard here and there, but I don't want to just like bring up someone that I vaguely know about, but those are the people that I've studied. Uh, so let me just mention some names and just give me like yes or no. Can, can we do that? Okay. Dr. Phil Valentine. Dr. Phil Valentine. No. Uh, Bobby Hemmett. Mm -mm. I'm showing my age here. <laughs> <laughs> I know I don't feel like all sorts of out of line. <laughs> no, no, no. These are dudes. Those two names were like, right, you know, Malachi Z. York. Mm -mm. Okay, these are the guys that were uh, come up in like the 80s okay. when it was like the VHS. So in the 90s, I was picking up these tapes and was listening to them. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And this was popular. So like some of this stuff is real hard to find on YouTube nowadays. Like, you, you know, you'll find pieces of Malagazi York. You'll find pieces of Bobby Hammett. You'll find um, uh, Dr. Ben. Dr. Ben yeah. is another... You know, uh -huh. Dr. Ben. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wonderful. Um, but it seems like the Nation of Islam is 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 your greater influence. Right? It is, because to be real, like I've always been um like very pro-black because that was something that my dad wanted us to to have with us because uh we lived in like in Los Angeles, like South Central LA until I was seven, and then we moved to the Antelope Valley, which was like very white. You know what I'm saying? It was a lot of white people. And my dad, he didn't want us to like assimilate or lose ourselves. So he made us sit down and read together as a family the narratives of the life of Frederick Douglass. And um and I was seven, you know, so like I got like a fire in me at that age. And so as far as like learning and, and uh, researching other people as I got older, 
that really didn't start till maybe I don't know, like a few years ago, to be 100% real, because I didn't even know this whole like woke conscious side of social media like that existed. You know what I'm saying? Like when I started making Afro chats, I was just making videos because my brother suggested that I like record some of the stuff that I say. So when people started, you know, ask me about do I know this person or have I listened to there's like there's other people who are doing similar things. I didn't even I didn't even know about it because that's not like a an avenue that I was tapped into. I just felt like there wasn't enough black women who were um I guess campaigning for black men. Like a lot of us had gotten on this wave that you all are our enemies and I wanted to combat that narrative. Mm, yeah, we're gonna talk about that. We're gonna talk about that. Um, real quick, let me just holler at some super chats. Khan82, he said, keep it up, Hotep. Thank you. Lauren literally, what up, Lauren? She said, I miss good music. I turned off the radio and TV a long time ago, but my soul is yearning for it. Wonderful. Lauren literally again, she said, uh, Erica, where do you find your inspiration? I think she's talking about music. Who are your, some of your uh, musical inspirations? Were it the people you named earlier? You said, where do I find the inspiration for what now? Uh, some of your musical inspirations. My musical inspirations. Um, I really am like a huge fan of oldies. I'm not going to front. I love the Isley Brothers. And I mean love the Isley Brothers. Um, I like uh, Jill Scott. Is I mean, I know she's not oldie, but she's my like my inspiration. I listened to Jill Scott all while I was growing up. Um, I got into Erica Badu as I got older. Let me see who else. I really like Maze and Frankie Beverly. Like I told y'all, I like old school music. I like um, I like uh, the Dramatics, Bloodstone, Temptation. So it'd be it's like a lot of old old school groups that I listen to and that I like. And more recently, like some of the people that I named earlier, like I really. Um, started to like Lucky Day as well. So he's a newer artist, but those are some of my main musical interests. Oh, and Outkast. How could I not? <laughs> I'm a huge Outkast fan. <laughs> like, that is a prerequisite to like being with me. If I talk to a dude and he's like, oh, I don't like Outkast, like, we can't, we can't be together. <laughs> it's that serious to me, like, for real. I fucks so, with your musical taste. I fucks with it. Yeah, 50 Shades of Soul G. $20 super chat. Thank you, my brother. He says, shout out to the Hotep's great guest tonight. We'll have to catch a replay. Keep building. You already know we out here. Chad Lemoyne, 499 super chat. He said, good to hear this. A lot of what we've been taught is a product of translation. We have to ask ourselves who translated and what was their motivation? Real talk. Real talk. Um, Erica, anybody ever called you Hotep before? Yes. Yep. <laughs> What yeah. what did you what what was your initial reaction to that? What did you think about that? Was it confusion I mean, or I just thought it was because I knew what Hotep meant and I was like, why are you using this as like a slur? You know what I'm saying? Like cause that's normally when someone called me a hotep, when they mean it in a negative way, you know. So I just thought it was just ignorance on the person on their part, you know. And I don't really think too much of it, you know. The, I don't really think so much of what dumb people got to say, but yeah, yeah. So, so that's how I became Hotep Jesus. Um, they, you know, I saw uh, the black liberals, like I like I like to call them, right? right? And they're basically controlled by the white liberal, and um, so and they were calling me Hotep, and I'm like, wait, you can't be a Hotep, like that's not how you use the word, right? Mm -hmm. So then, you know, they were kept doing it. I'm like, yo, we, somebody has to like save this name because they about to just throw our ancestors through right. the mud. Right. 
So that's how we were like, you know what? Fuck that. We're going to grab this shit. We're going to exalt it. And we're going to put grace on this motherfucker name. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So that's our mission to, to put, you know, uh, put some respect on hotel, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, it's not like, I don't understand how you can take something great that our ancestors would say, you know what I'm saying? And then, like make it into something negative like that don't make no damn sense you know Mm -hmm. so i'm glad that you're doing that you know what i'm saying because it's definitely necessary um and with everything even pick me like i feel like i'm i'm not on my job i'm not doing something right if i had to go like a month without being called a pick me i'm like i'm getting rusty i'm falling (laughs) off you know nobody called me a pick me this month you know i gotta get it together (laughs) like for real yeah let's break that down like the pick me right like the pick me came right after hotep this was about five years ago right mm-hmm. and it's like they, they were like hotep and then at first it was like only men could be hoteps and they started calling them female hoteps and they were like no let's call them pick me's and it started with black female feminists right that's right. where this that's where this right. came from and the pick me for people that aren't aware is basically like when erica says something to uh, defend black men, they're saying that she's posturing herself in a position to where she wants black men to pick her as their spouse or significant other, right? And 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 she's desperate for it, or that's the only reason why she's doing it, right? Right. And and that's what the the pick me thing is. Why? Well, I know it doesn't make you feel no type way. It makes me feel some type way, but. Why, why, why do you think they operate like that? Where do you think that that's coming from? These emotions, where do you think that's coming from? I think it comes from a place of like hurt. I feel like it comes from a place of hurt and then believing a lot of propaganda. You know what I'm saying? Like we mix our hurt feelings with like the images that they show of our men. And it just like, people just run with it. You know what I'm saying? And um, I feel like that's, that's like the foundation of it. You know, like I can't, the reason why, like, people can say what they want, but I'm not, like, out here trying to get picked. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's that's not um, that's not why I do this. <laughs> like, I do it because I know that our families need it. You know, I know that we need, like, a balanced family structure. And I can't just throw all Black men under the bus because I have a father. I have four brothers who are married and have children. You know what I'm saying? So it's like... You know, I, I can't, I can't rock with that. But I feel like a lot of women, like we've all experienced our hurt. I've been hurt before. It's not like I'm, you know, um, exempt from feeling hurt and pain and, you know, being jaded. Like I've definitely felt all of that, felt betrayal, all of that type of stuff, you know? But I have enough sense to not project my experience onto the whole of black men. Like that don't make no sense. Like when we do that as black women, when we say I've had a negative experience and I'm just over it, and we like paint all black men in this in this negative light. We're doing the same thing that white people do to us mm. when they see us out in the streets and they want to call the police because they feel like you know they already have these preconceived notions. And it might not even have been from a negative experience. Some of them might have had one, but regardless, like we can't generalize a whole group of people based on a couple folks that, that you've been dealt with. You know what I'm saying? And if you've dealt with like five or six of the same kind of men who do the same kind of stuff, at what point are you going to be introspective? You know mm. what I'm saying? 
at what point are you going to be like, all right, maybe it's something in me that is attracting these kind of men. And see, people don't want to do that kind of work. They don't want to sit up and hold themselves accountable and be introspective and grow and determine that maybe it's something that they're doing. Potentially, I'm not saying that the man is absolved of all responsibility, but you know, I feel like when relationships in both parties share some of the blame, like he might've been trash, yes, but also I could have done things differently on my end to prevent things as well, so. Yeah, and that's why I say you're like the most important person of our time because um, I've recognized the same thing you have, that these black women, these feminists, are actually operating from a place of hurt, right? So they have to be uh, cared with with love, right? So I don't make comments online anymore because I learned, I'm like, wait, where? I had to stop and think like, why are they like this? And then once I realized this is from a place of hurt, I'm like, oh man, my sisters is hurting. Right. And that's why they're lashing out. And I don't think it's a place for black men to speak. I think the sisters like yourself have to be exalted to speak sister to sister. Like I got the men, we're going to tell the men how not to be toxic. And then you take the ladies, you see what I'm saying? Right. And then we meet in the middle. You know, I've seen you say that in a few videos, you know, we got to work together and find that yeah. union. Right. And then you see the Tory Lanes, um, uh, uh, Megan Stallion thing come around. Right. And one thing you said that had me like, yo, she's on point. You said people were coming in your mentions asking you about this. You was like, I ain't got time to be thinking about these fools. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> you know? That's the key. That's the key. Where are we sending our attention? Right. And you said, what did you say? You said, um, my mind is on my businesses. Right? I mean, what is that going to do? Like, <laughs> for me. For me personally, like, because I honestly feel like, and I posted about this today, that like distractions are the most detrimental thing that can happen to us as a people because we can like go and fail, right? But that's okay because you can learn from failure. If you go and do something and you fail, you're like, all right, maybe this ain't the way I need to like change some things and go this direction with it. But if you just not doing nothing at all, there's like absolutely no growth or progression associated with that whatsoever. So it's like, if they keep us distracted enough with nonsense, we won't make any type of action. And like every week it's something new. Every week there's some sort of issue that everybody's talking about that got everybody riled up and then ain't nobody doing nothing. You know how much time you waste scrolling through Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, you know, like it's just, a lot of it be a waste of time. And then before you know it, the whole day is gone. You haven't done anything productive. You haven't put forth any effort to like make your life better and leave an inheritance for your children's children. And so I feel like our focus is just spread too thin. We have to like, yes, these things happen. You know what I'm saying? Yes, it's, it's trash. The whole situation is just trash. You know what yes. I'm saying? But what we can't do is just dwell on this and like let that consume our lives. And we damn sure can't let it become a gender war and blame all black men because Tory Lanez was a, was a, was a fool. You know? <laughs> like that's what we're not going to be doing. Yeah. You know, um, in the social media world, Tory Lanez set us black men back. So we're disavowing Tory Lanez. We're kicking him out the black male congregation. He can no longer hang with us. Um, 
it's sad that that's where we are, right? Where one black man makes a mistake and we all, right? Yeah. Like the whole social media just comes crumbling down and it's just right. like black this man, black man, black man. Women need to die of asking. Burn the cakes, this and all that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one dude, because of him, what he did. You don't even know him. <laughs> like, what is this? You never gonna encounter this Negro in your life. Yeah. Like, focus on the people like the folks that you know, you know? Right. And he's not even like a black intellectual or a black, no, not, not even a black person with power, right? Right. <laughs> saying that I was doing like quarantines radio or whatever, like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> like, what are we talking about? You know, like, yeah, I don't oh, know. It's let's, just craziness. Let's, let's, let's role play on something that's empathetic with that particular situation. And I heard Meg say, right? She yeah. said that she protected him when she got to the police precinct, right? And right. she said she didn't want to, um, I'm gonna use the word snitch on him, right? Cause that's what everybody's been arguing about what she's snitching. You can't be snitching if a black man, if a, if a man shot you and you a female, that's not snitching, right? That's not snitching. Snitches is when you're a gangster and you snitch on your gang. Right. That's snitching. Civilians can't snitch. So let's just stop that. But when she said right. she was protecting him, what like, can you empathize with that situation? Or can you understand what she's saying when she says she didn't want to tell the authorities right away? I understand to a degree because okay. what she said was right. Like when the police show up, they do they'll sh they shoot us you know they don't ask questions things can go real south real fast you know but at the same time it's like i feel like you have to use discernment as to when to protect someone and when not to you know what i'm saying like as much as i love black men you know i got all these brothers and i have my father if someone mistreats me you can uh -oh. get dealt with period. Like, <laughs> you're not about to put your hands on me or anything, let alone shoot me. Mm. You're going to jail, you feel me? And if you don't, my brother's gonna get you. And you wanna go to jail because you don't want them to come get you. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So it's like, you know, like I understand what she's saying because the police, they do have it out for us as a people. They don't respect us. And then, you know, it's, it's always, it'd be an issue when they come around. At the mm. same time, it's like, you, this man clearly was on some other stuff and did not deserve her protection at that point in time because he did not protect her, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I empathize with it to a degree, but in that in that particular situation, you know, if, if someone shoots me in the foot, you're going to jail. Or right. my brother's going to get you. you know? Right, right. Uh, where do you think this gender war thing came from? Because sure as hell ain't come from the black community. Um, you said, well, now it's kind of low. You said where did the the this gender war amongst the black community where do you think it came from you mentioned propaganda and what do you think the motive of the propagandists is um i think that gender war has been something that has been like in the works for a while now you know what i'm saying i feel like it's 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 not something that is going to like go away quickly because it's been like brewing for a long time. You know, I say this all the time that black men and black women are suffering from a shared traumatic experience that neither of us are responsible for, you know what I'm saying? So by nature, because of like 
how things happened, like how black women were not protected. Like in slavery, there was no protection for either one of us, for the black man or the black woman. You know, so we have this kind of ingrained in us, you know what I'm saying? And in the scientific, it's been proven that trauma and fear is inherited as a survival tactic, like through our epigenetic markers. So it's a thing that we pass down, that we have to be like independent, like we as black women, we have to be independent. We have to like look out for ourselves because at any time, the man that we with, he can be like sold off, he can be killed, you know? So we have to like develop this, this attitude that we have out of like survival, you know? But now it's like, we, we have to learn, we as black women have to learn how to relinquish some of that control because the, like the man is not in the same situation now. Like we can, we can work together better. So I feel like that, like, I feel like that laid the foundation for it. And then when, you know, the women's like liberation movement, um, well, the women's suffrage movement, I feel like was the first, was the beginning of that, where Elizabeth Cady Stanton and um, what's the other one? Susan B. Anthony, I think yep. they're the ones who like brought black women into it, not because they like cared about us, <laughs> but they use us as numbers like they always do. You know, they use us to pad their cause. So that's when it first started because Elizabeth Cady Stanton is quoted saying something like, you know, black men are vile and disgusting and we pure white women certainly should have the vote before them. You know what I'm saying? Like they wanted to make sure that they got to vote before black men did. And so that's what started the whole women's suffrage movement. It wasn't just because women wanted to vote. They just wanted to make sure that black men wasn't voting for them. And then they pulled us into it. And then the same thing happened with the women's liberation movement, like in the 60s, 70s. You know, everyone's working together. You know, we have the Brown Berets. We have Yellow Peril working with the Black Panthers. Fred Hampton has started the Rainbow Coalition. Everybody working together. And here come white women again talking about, well, we oppress too. No, you're not. Like, you're just second in line oppressor. You're not oppressed. You feel me? Like, you just go in, like, you reap the benefits of what the white man does. So, like, I don't understand how you were oppressed like that. But anyway, they come and they pull us out of the black liberation movement into the women's liberation movement. And then they did it again with like me too. Black Lives Matter was popping up, you know, and then they come saying, you know, me too, even though that was something a black, a black woman came up with, white women hijacked it. So I feel like that's where like a lot of that stems from. Slavery uh. and then white women coming in and inserting themselves into what we got going to pad their numbers. Uh huh. Coming in and fighting their battle, distracting our battle. Mm -hmm. Um. What are you gonna say? No, I'm just saying like what we want is not the same. You know, like black women and white women. You know, when they wanted to get into the workplace, you know, and like not being in the kitchens, who filled those positions of being in the kitchens, being their cooks and men? That was our grandmothers. You know, my great grandmother raised white children you know and cooked for them and reared their children so the struggle's not the same like white women always had the luxury because it's a luxury to be feminine in a mm. world where everyone has to be hard and survive it's a luxury to be able to be feminine black women have never gotten that luxury white women had it so we don't even want the same things you know what i'm saying we we would love the opportunity to just be able to be and not have to do everything and not have to like have this strong independent complex that's legit killing us 
but we don't have that luxury. You know, we traded in when we've never even had it before to fight with white women. You know, we, like we don't want the same thing. Is the point I'm making? We don't want the same thing. It's a luxury to be feminine. Bars. Oh my God. Because I mean, like the only time, like if I was a, a slave, if I was enslaved, the only time my femininity, because Angela Davis, she wrote it in a book, um, way you know, way back in the day. She said that like the workload in racism, sexism in class, she said that the workload for the black man and the black woman was the same. It didn't matter if I was a pregnant black woman, I had to do the same amount of work as a black man. So the only time my femininity was acknowledged was to fulfill the lust of the slave master. That's the only time anyone cared about the fact that I was a woman was to exploit it and to rape me. You know what I'm saying? So it is a luxury to be feminine and we don't get that luxury as black women. And I'm not trying to throw that away to do what these white women doing. I'm why why, why don't you think we, uh, black women have that luxury today in 2020? Um, because we still have like the same independent mindset. Like we're the only ones, we're the only race of women who say that. You don't hear a strong independent white woman or strong independent Asian woman or strong independent Mexican woman. You don't hear that. We're the only ones who still have that label. And I feel like it's residual left over from slavery that we believe we have to handle everything because we have to, you know, the man who could be sold off. We have to raise the children. We still had to work and do what was required of us. So I feel like a lot of that, you know, was inherited as a survival tactic and it's not something that's been corrected. You know, you can't just endure hundreds of years of psychosocial indoctrination and think that it's just going to change, even though it's never been addressed, you know? Mm. So, are you uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but it sounds like you're saying that black women have to uh, claim this luxury of femininity. It's not just that. Okay. It's like black men also have to create the environment to where we can feel comfortable, you know, because if I'm going to hand, if I can handle it, I'm not going to relinquish control to someone who can't, you know what I'm saying? When so, you say it, what do you mean? Handle? Handle like, like the responsibilities, you know, the okay. things, because I get to be lucky, like I get to enjoy the luxury of being feminine when I'm not burdened with all the responsibilities that traditionally like a man would handle, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that's how it has to be for everyone because some women, they do want to be in the workplace and I'm not knocking it, you know, I'm not knocking that at all. Like I'm a businesswoman, I work, but um, the, same, the way that I'm hard and I, speak and I, and I do these things online. That's not how I want to be at home. I'm hard with the world, but I want to, like, I say this all the time that like, I'm woke, but so to speak, you know, but yeah. I want to be able to come home and get rest. You know, I'm not trying to be hard and like forceful like this at home. I want mm. to be, I want to get rest. I want to get recharged when I go home. So. Like, like I was saying, like if we're black women and we can handle like a lot of the responsibility, we have to make sure that if we are going to relinquish control, you know, and um, and the black man has to be able to to create the environment that allows us to grasp this femininity. So, so how do black men create this environment to, uh, you know, so you have the luxury to be feminine? Is it is it we got to make more money. We got to handle our responsibilities as men. You know what is it? Because I also I hear like black women say, "Oh, we're on the front lines of these protesting. We're on the front lines of the movement and all of that." So how do black men like? I think 
it, it's a combination of those things. You know, um, handling things financially is one of the best ways. I'm not saying he has to handle everything, right. but at least to where we're both contributing. You know what I'm saying? And um, I'm a very, um, I don't even know if you would call it, I guess, traditional. I mean, that's just how I grew up. Like I have, you know, my parents, both of them worked, you know, but my, my dad, he worked longer hours than my mom. And he was the one who, um, they had different roles, you know what I'm saying? And I'm not saying the roles have to be the same for everyone because there's different type of people, but at least have roles and have them defined so that like people know, everyone knows how things work. You know, like we, we go into the workplace and everyone has a job and a responsibility. We go on a sports team and everyone has a responsibility. The quarterback does this, the wide receiver does this, but we think within the family, there should just be no like roles or, or, or ways that people function so that there's not chaos you know what i'm saying so mm -hmm. i believe that what will help us to get into a position where we can you know um have the luxury to be feminine is if the man is you know doing whatever roles that we that we've worked out that works for us but he's doing his end of it and he's also handling things and being assertive as well you know mm -hmm. there's a lot of um and i'm just i'll just say that for me you know me personally i don't like a a, a pushover kind of man who's just going to agree with everything that I say, you know, um, <laughs> I'm wrong sometimes. And you know what, is nothing wrong with being checked, you know, every now and then. So I don't want like a yes man and all of that, you know, and because like we are so, we're so strong as, as, as black women, we can like kind of force that onto our men to be that way. I need someone who knows that I may be like that, but it's not going to let me be like that all the time. You know, it's going check and be like, all right, look, I got it covered. You feel me? Like, I'm the man. I have this covered. I'm going to handle this. You don't have to worry about that. You know, mm -hmm. so that reassurance, that security, that's what, you know, we as women need. We need to know that we're going to be taken care of. We're going to be protected. Um, we're going to be secure. And uh, we're going to be handled, like, you know, on all, all areas. Yeah. Uh, in my book, Unbreakable Rules of Masculinity, fellas, get you a copy. I tell them. Uh, you you should uh, learn the art of telling a woman no. <laughs> right. If you ain't never told a woman no, she don't respect you. You know. This this is actually really true. You know? <laughs> it it is it's really true because, I mean, you know, it's not like being mean and just saying no all the time. Right. It's just like understanding that like we are not like perfect and infallible you know what i'm saying so if i'm being like extra you can tell me that i'm being extra like all right you need to relax or if i'm getting elevated you need to take it down you're not gonna be yelling at my you know like just those things are necessary you know and i know like let me look at the live maybe i'm the only one i don't know if there's a woman here but i know i'm not the only one that like low-key might get like a little turned on from being checked every now and then you know what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> It's in my book. They love it, fellas. So, like, if we arguing or something, and I start to get loud, and he like, "All right, look, what you're not gonna do is yell at me." I'm instantly not even mad no more. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> why are we even arguing? Let's just go in the house. You feel me? <laughs> so, yeah. What's your son's sign? Um, I'm a Taurus. A Taurus. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. 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 So that that makes sense. That that the bull. Yeah. We can see the bull. Yeah. 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 That healthy balance too. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Um, let me read some super chats and we'll get back to it. Uh, where we at? 
Uh, good to hear this. Uh, no, the Peace Dealer, 555. Thank you. He says, stay blessed. Would love to interview you on my channel sometime. Keep up the great work. Uh, not not sure if you're talking to me or her, but reach out to us. Uh, Jerome said, Erica loved your comment on no more slave movies. Oh, we're going to talk about that. Uh, Lauren, literally, uh, you can't stand up for men without being torn down by the women who hate them. Mm, deep. Teresa Garcia, Hotep. You get some smart people in your podcast. I try. I try to just go for smart people. Uh, Dima Zaja. What up, Halima? She says, uh, being black and woman, intersectionality is a lens through which you can see where power comes and collides, where it interlocks and intersects. Kim Crenshaw, great talk. Thank you, Halima. Let's talk about that um, that dynamic of uh, slave movies, right? Like, yeah. I said it too, like, Yo, I'm tired of seeing us, you know, Mammy and Butler and Slave. And then, oh boy, I forget his name. He tried to do the, uh, you know, the powerful slave movie where we're rebelling and we're free. And then they pulled out some old charges from back in the day and that whole movie right. got pigeonholed, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, this is something we were talking about. Like, yo, like, come on, man, another slave movie? Right. I'm so sick of it. I'm glad you peeped that too. Yeah. Um I tweeted that I didn't want to see no more slave movies, you know, because that that's another form of oppression, you know, mm -hmm. like to know that we are the original people on this earth. And the only part of history that you want to show us is when we're like subservient, you know what I'm saying? And they won't even show the people that revolted because it's not only the Nat Turner Rebellion, it's the Stono Rebellion. You know, it's a lot of different things that happen, you know? Um, how come I mean, if they want to make a slave movie, how come they won't make a movie about Toussaint Lobisher? How come mm. we can't learn about a successful slave revolt? You know what I'm saying? And so it's just like I don't want to. I want to hear that no more because you know that's our youth and just people in general will begin to think that that's where our history begins when it was actually just like erased up until that point. Like, can we get before then? You know what I'm saying? Because there's a lot that we contributed to this world everything you know what i'm saying so that's my whole thing i don't want to see i don't want to see those slavery movies because they always first of all they always adding in some sort of white savior who came in they were just such a good-hearted person who like nine times out of ten didn't even exist so they just making up a person to pepper in the movie who was like so good to show that they weren't like as evil as they were and then in addition to that like we're always shown as like like the, the 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 end narrative is you win by like you by being the bigger person in like loving and forgiving right yeah. and that's not the type of like that is not the type of narrative you know what i'm saying like i extend love to who is worthy of love you know people who are like mm. terrorizing us or they're not the people that I'm extending love and forgiveness to. I'm just not. I'll extend love and forgiveness to our own people. But, you know, all that other stuff is is out, you know, and they always mix it in with like scripture and, you know, religion and stuff because they know that we as black people, we love that. But if we actually read the scripture, we would see that that's not what, like, according to the Bible, that's not how God was. He was on some like destroyed in their goats the whole family and the children. That was the type of time he was on. So I don't want to hear nothing about like forgiveness and, and all of that for people who have been like openly oppressing us for hundreds of years now. Yeah. We got about 30 more minutes with Eric Eric Lachey here, fella, uh, uh, everybody in the chat. So, you know, bear with us. Um, staying on that topic of slavery, um, 
I used to have this shirt that said black history doesn't start with slavery, which begs the question in where does it start? Right? <laughs> and um, I always do this with, with friends, family, black people I run across. I say, uh, what were we doing before slavery? And all I get is a glazed over fluoride stare. I say, name a black king, name a black queen. I don't know. Name a black kingdom. I don't know. All right, name somebody. Martin Luther King Jr., right? Like Frederick Douglass, Harriet Tubman. Harriet Tubman wasn't even a real person, but that's open story, right? And 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 that's all we get, right? Um, so I'm glad you have recognized that whole thing. Where do you where do you start black history? Like when you teach black history, where do you start at? I mean, black history starts like at the beginning of like time itself, you know what I'm mm. saying? Um, I wholeheartedly believe that like we are like we're the original people, you know, like where where history starts is that's black history, you know, mm, so, where history starts is the beginning of black history. Woo! Right. Woo! We're the original people. We were we were here first. You know what I'm saying? Like and there's there's just so many things that that we contributed. There's so many different. Um, and then uh, in addition to black history starting where history starts um we are indigenous to the whole earth so it's not something that's just confined to africa you feel me mm. so black history is in australia black history is in eurasia black history is all over the world because we are the original people you know and um and so much of it was a race i mean you had i believe it was napoleon who was appointed the one who was in charge of like desecrating um you know, the um, African, the Egyptian monuments and, you know, shooting off the noses of all of those. And then um, like Alexander, the, the so-called great, like how are you great when you burn down a library containing hundreds of thousands of years of history? You know, and why would you do that? Why, why would you do something like that? You know, and then, I mean, if we just look at history and observe, we can see that like, it's just black all the way through it. You know, if you look at Buddha, okay, so this man came over and enlightened a lot of people, right? Where are you where have you seen stretched out earlobes and bantu knots? You know what I'm saying? Who like what what culture does that come from? Africa. You know what I'm saying? Because when you see Buddha, what does he have? That's not a hat. What is that? What is that on his head? You know what I'm bantu saying? Nuts. Clearly bantu knots and stretched earlobes. You look at the Olmec heads in Mesoamerica, lips thicker than mine, nose take about a third of the face. You know what I'm saying? It's like, we see it all over. We see our history just all over, but they've been so careful to destroy it. You know, um, Ivan Sertima has a book called, titled They Came Before Columbus. And um, and it just talks about like how we were, we just, we traveled the whole world, but the difference between us and the European is that we came and spread knowledge and information. That's why there's pyramids in Mesoamerica. You know, we came and gave resources and helped people. You know, um, the natives, like the native uh, Americans, I'll say, were quoted saying that um, black skinned people came from the seas with gold tipped spears. You know what I'm saying? So our people came to the Americas. Some of them went back, some of them stayed. So even American history, the start, the foundation of it starts with us. You know? mm. Uh oh. So it, I mean, it it is. That's now, 
that they came. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, so. I, I, I went on Joe Rogan's podcast. Um, and I said that, uh, you know, we were talking about slavery and he was like, oh yeah, you know, y'all come from Africa on slave boats. And I'm like, no, that ain't true. Nigga, we was here already, you know? And, um, there's a lot of people, even historians who just can't digest the fact that black people were here on the North American continent right? before Christopher Columbus touched down. Right. I also make the argument that we are the natives. The Native American is actually a melanated black individual, mm -hmm. uh, maybe from African descent, but definitely African in phenotype right. and genotype. Right? Yeah. Are, are you okay? Are, yeah. Are you in, in agreement with that? Um, I agree. I feel like some came before, and then some came, you know, on the slave ships, you know, because. Um, they like there were some that came over, you know, with with the gold tip spears, and there were also some that migrated over because you know Asia, like the very tip of it, is very close to Alaska, and back in those times, the water would would uh, recede in the Bering Strait, like that little strip is like a, a like a couple miles wide. That would be dry land, and it used to be called Beringia. You could walk over from there and migrate down into the Americas from Asia. So I believe that we came from many different ways. I feel like we came and migrated through Asia and came down into the Americas. Also believe we came via boat as well, you know? So yeah. you know, I definitely believe that like a good, a good portion of us were here in the Americas before and also believe the portion of us came um, through the transatlantic slave trade. Wonderful. All right, let's talk Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. We hear it a lot. We hear it a lot. We know about the organization. And I, th I think we have to separate the organization from the hashtag and the greater movement, right? Right. Okay, let's talk about this. Uh, are you in lockstep with Black Lives Matter, the organization? No. Mm, why? Why not? Why? Why? Why not? Um, you can't really be pro-Black if you don't advocate for the Black family. You know, if you love Black lives so much, then why wouldn't you want to make more of them? You know, if you go to the Black Lives Matter website, there's nothing on there about black men whatsoever or about the family structure, which is the most important thing. Like that's the foundation to everything. If you have a strong black family, then you have the potential to pass down generational wealth. You have the potential to raise up children who see what it looks like and what it is to have both, you know, to have that relationship dynamic. So. I don't rock with Black Lives Matter organization. I believe that they're a detriment to our people because um, they don't advocate for our men, which is a problem. To mm. Well, uh, one thing I want to correct, you said that they don't mention the family on the website. They actually do. They want to destroy it. They destroying like the traditional something weird. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's just like, wait, hold on. So I was in 2015, I said Black Lives Matter is a, a, a gay psyop. And, you know, I put that video out and everybody's like, oh, you hating, you hating. I'm like, no, it's on their website, dog. And yeah. back then, uh, before they changed it in the villages, it said, uh, we advocate for the lives of men, parents, and children. I was like, wait, y'all just, y'all remove men from this whole thing. And that's what kind of got the wheels turning. So I'm glad you peeped that. Now, let's talk about the implications of it becoming this worldwide movement, right? 
So you have the organization, which is actually going to reap the benefits of it being a worldwide movement, right? For example, we see it on Premier League soccer. We see it uh, in the NBA and, and so forth. Right. What do you, how does that bode for our future? Right? Like, so for example, let me show you where I'm trying to go with this. In some ways it's good, right? Cause it's like, all right, black people, we kind of getting privileged now. Like niggas is a little bit nicer these days, right? right. But in, in other ways, like, first of all, the phrase black lives matter sucks. And, right. and we don't need pity. We need power. Right. Exactly. And, it's and they're, it's, 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 it's sterile enough for people to say it without ruffling too many feathers. Ooh. You know? Ooh. Because it's not abrasive. You know, you can't really refute that. It's not something hard or strong enough to um, really say anything meaningful. So that's why the world has grasped onto that because it's not something like, you know, like in the nation, we say separation is death. That's hard, that's abrasive. No one wants to hear that we say justice or else like people are like well what does or else mean you know like those things are like harder to swallow than black lives matter that's easy that's sanitized it's something that is marketable and it has become very very marketable oh that's deep it, it, it make it so easy for these white liberals to digest it right. they don't want to hear black power that's scary right that's they want scary. Exactly. They want that, that, you said sanitized. Sanitized, yes. <laughs> I like that. I, see, you got my, you got my brain working. I love, I love when people get my brain working. Um, Cause I said something similar. I've dissected it similar, but the way you said that it's like, it makes it palatable for the world. That's deep. So now it's on all these NBA jerseys and if Black Lives Matter is detrimental to us, wouldn't the greater movement be detrimental to us too? I don't think the movement um, is like, like how you said earlier, we have to disassociate the same with the actual organization, you know what I'm saying? But I feel like what's, what's more detrimental is that like there's no, like the, the end goal of Black Lives Matter is not something that um, I feel like it's not something that's concrete, but the loose goal of it is something that I really can't rock with because a lot of black people think that true progress is being able to comfortably exist in white spaces. You know what I'm saying? Like that's progress <laughs> that's... a lot of people. Like that's Black Lives Matter in a nutshell. But I don't want to exist in white spaces or be comfortable. I want to create spaces for our own. That's the goal here. That's why I like separation or death. That's a better one. That's a better hashtag for me personally. But, um, you know, so like that's, I feel like the movement could be good if the actual end goal wasn't something along the lines of conforming and assimilation, you know? Hold on. I'm typing. I'm typing again. You know, when I start typing, you done said something. Separation or death. Yeah, people ain't gonna like that. I'm a, now when I tweet that, we gonna go look at them comments after I get off here. You gonna see a whole lot of butt hurt white people, right? <laughs> like, well, what does this mean? And you know, like as soon as you say separation, people immediately be like, "Oh, you're racist. You're trying to start segregation again." Blah blah. But when you think about it, like let's 
let's really think of what separation is because everyone has it, you know, but us. Like I live, you know, I lived in Los Angeles, so I know that Chinatown and Koreatown exist. Where me, as an American, I can't even read it. I go there and it's all in Korean, it's in Chinese. I don't know what that is. I don't know what kind of building that is. I have no idea. But they have their own area where they are. And then East LA is basically little Mexico. Everything is Spanish. You know what I'm saying? There's all different types of communities, but we, no one considers that separation. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. They're just, oh, they're just, they're just doing, they're just making do. They're just doing their thing. It's like, why can't we have a, an area designated for us where we own that land and we own the schools and the police that police that area look like us, you know what I'm saying? So if they better deal with conflicts, you know what I'm saying? That's all I'm thinking when I talk about separation. You know, mm. but people make it seem like it's this huge, big old scary thing when in actuality it's a beautiful thing that has worked in the past and can work for us again, you know? Uh, we got 20 minutes left here, and I'm just going to rattle out the topics. We're going to talk about to finalize this. We're going to talk Planned Parenthood. We're going to talk uh, President Donald J. Trump, Mr. Faux Five. And then we're going to talk uh, solutions, how we how we repair all of this damage. So let's start with Planned Parenthood. When I saw the feminists arguing with me online, I was like, hold up. Y'all advocate for Planned Parenthood? Y'all know Margaret Sanger, who she is? Right. You see, do you see that too? Like how Planned Parenthood and abortion is being pushed on our community? Isn't that white supremacy? It is white supremacy, especially when the founder of Planned Parenthood says the things that she says. Like, I don't understand how you could be a black woman and stand behind Planned Parenthood when they clearly want to eliminate us, you know? I mean, and the statistic goes like this, like black women in the past few years have aborted more babies than they've given birth to. We're the only ones, you know what I'm saying? That's a problem. You know, if black lives matter so much, we should want to make more of them, right? So that's that's an issue. That's a very huge issue that these things are being pushed on our communities and we have to ask ourselves why. Of course, you know, I'm sure no one wants to just deal with like the responsibility of another life when that's not something you were planning for or not something you were ready for. But that's when like personal accountability and responsibility goes in, you know, like I know a lot of times things are unforeseen and sometimes you can't control things. But me, I've taken upon myself like that if I am going to be with a man, I'm not laying down with anybody who I know, like I know for certain he's going to handle his responsibilities if I do happen to get pregnant. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not just talking like out of the side of my neck. As my grandmother would say, you know, um, I've never had an abortion, you know what I'm saying? And I'm mm. not knocking women who have, but that's just not something that I would want to do me personally. Like if I were to get pregnant, I would definitely have a child. Um, and I just feel like we have to, there's, there's some accountability that comes into play. Like we can't just be so full of like lust that we just lay down with any old body, especially someone who's not going to handle the responsibility requires a little bit of restraint and just doing, um, our due diligence when it comes to who we're allowing inside of our bodies, you know? The fact that you say you never had an abortion shows you've been responsible with your body. And I always tell people, I say, um, uh, if you had to get an abortion or you have an ancient baby daddy, that's called poor pussy management. If you're on child support, 
and you hate your baby mama, that's called poor penis management, right? So again, coming back to the responsibilities of the both parties. Now let's talk about the nuance of the abortion conversation because the nuance has been completely removed from the conversation, right? It's either like pro-choice or pro-life, right? Mm-hmm. And um, both of those things, the arguments of both sides don't relate to the names, right? Like pro-life, I we get that. But pro-choice, it's like really means pro-abortion, right? It doesn't mean pro-choice. Do you find the same problem with the nuances of the conversation? How like you have to pick one or the other and it's just like you can't just take things case by case? It it is. It is very, it's a very weird, like how they have it set up because there is, even though like me personally, I'm not for abortion, I do feel like that that is a woman has the responsibility to decide for herself. You know what I'm saying? So by definition, I would be considered pro-choice. Me too. Although I would never, I wouldn't get an abortion. I'm not gonna like, because there's situations, you know, like say if a woman was raped, she doesn't, she might not want to have that child. And I'm not going to be like, well, you should anyway. Like, I don't even know what that, what that feels like for me to even insert my opinion there. So I'm not an advocate for people getting abortions, but that is still their choice that they have to make. That's how I feel about it. So I'm kind of like in the fence, but by definition, because you have to be on one side or the other, I would be considered pro-choice. Yeah, and that's my dilemma, right? Because going based upon what pro-choice means, I would fall under pro-choice, but pro-choice means billions of dollars funded by Planned Parenthood and the people who fund Planned Parenthood. So basically, if I say I'm pro-choice, I'm basically saying I'm pro-Planned Parenthood, which leads me at this crossroads, like, what do we do now, right? And then it's like, if you choose pro-life, then you're choosing communism in a state to have autonomy over the human body and our choices. Right. So I don't like that side of the argument either because I don't think abortion should be illegal. I don't think so. I think that right. the state should mind their motherfucking business. Right. <laughs> right. I agree. I agree. Um, I feel like we feel the same when it comes to that. Let's talk Donald J. Trump. You uh, you put this tweet out, which I thought had supreme bravery. I'm going to go ahead and read it. Um, it says, uh, telling black people not to vote for Trump is telling us our votes were never our our own. That's real. Yeah. So how do you feel about this whole election and how we're forced to vote blue? I just feel like it's just right now, like I did the lesser two evils in 2016 and I'm kind of not interested in doing it again. You know what I'm Mm. saying? At this point, because it's like, like the same thing that that my tweet said, you know, like we, you know, telling us that if we don't vote for Biden or we don't vote blue, you know, that you're letting us know that our votes didn't belong to us, like, because it was supposed to be accounted for. You said that's a black woman. She's going to vote Democrat. She's accounted for. So because I didn't vote, now that vote goes to Trump now, supposedly, because I didn't do what I was supposed to do. I didn't do what you thought that I should do because I was supposed to be accounted for the day that I was born. And I don't like that because if you're already counting my vote, then you're not doing anything to gain my vote which is why Biden could say stuff like, you know, the black community is not diverse <laughs> or he could, you know, like all these. If you don't vote for me, you ain't black. Yeah, exactly. He could say stuff like that, you know, or, or the, we don't get any real policies. You know, when they ask us, what is the plan for the black community? 
there's nothing for us because it's like we already got you you were accounted for the day you came out of your mama womb you know and i don't have to do anything to to make life better for you because i already have you and i don't like that aspect at all i don't mm. like that at all we get so, taken for granted yeah we're getting taken for granted here and we we are the ones who deserve the most out of everybody you know what right. i'm saying considering the fact that we built this country you know so i don't want to i don't want to hear nothing about like if you don't vote for biden you vote for trump you're basically telling me that my vote ain't even it don't even belong to me and i don't like that you know so um <laughs> i'm not in the mood of doing the lesser two evils the way i see it is that we've never really we've never had a president that gave a damn about us why is this time any different mm. You know? mm. like has have we ever had a president that advocated for us you know like our people are still in like slavery in a sense whether or not it's mental slavery or physical slavery via the prison industrial complex so i have a choice of voting for an openly racist man or someone who has been known to help continue to put our people in a very real physical slavery mm. you know what i'm saying and when we were enslaved it's like did we were we concerned about presidents then like did like you know what i'm saying like these like these these were the same people who were they've been operating the same since the beginning like I, i'm not expecting them to like do anything neither one of them but us you mm. know what i'm saying i'm not expecting that they haven't historically done that and they're saying it. they're not making any policies for us now so mm. i feel like what we have to do is what these other communities do because in that in that same tweet you no know, in, in a different tweet i said something about like how the asian community has the lowest voter, voter turnout you know what i'm saying yet they own like a large portion of their communities you know and i'm not saying like everybody just don't go vote you could go vote do what you want to do but i feel like the goal should be building our own communities and a place for ourselves you know what i'm saying like mm. that's actually what we can control here mm. you know? yeah we're going to talk we're going to talk about that i, I want to run something past you real fast though uh they talk about system of white supremacy right the house is white it's called the white house right mm -hmm. so that's we're just going to say that's the 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 pillar of white supremacy is the white house so no matter who's in there they're going to treat us bad right mm -hmm. okay democrats and republicans don't give a fuck about us but what we can do is keep the motherfuckers guessing my suggestion was the black community should throw a whole wrench in this whole system the whole media and overnight decide to advocate for voting for trump and watch how the media and the white liberals put their white hoods on and bring the racists right out the ass. Cause right now they're using us like as front lines, right? Like go out and advocate for Biden, right? Mm -hmm. And we 90% we vote blue. One election, we have to vote red. We have to just swing the vote red. So next election people go, wait, who are they gonna vote for? Yeah, we actually have to work for it. We have to we have to earn the black vote in a sense, you know? Cuz right. I mean, that let us know like the fact that we could hear him say like, you know, the Latino community is incredibly diverse unlike the African American community. The fact that we can hear him say that and be like, well, he's right and we make all these excuses for him for the dis for the blatant disrespect is a problem and it shows that they know <laughs> that they got us like they ain't got to do nothing 
You know, they ask us, we ask all these questions. And it's like, all right, let's go humor these Negroes real quick. They're going to ask us about reparations. They're going to ask what we're going to do. We're going to play around for a little bit, but we ain't really got to do nothing for real because they still going to vote blue, no matter who. Yeah. yeah. All the way down, Bally. Um, Let's talk solutions. Uh, what are we going to do about all this, man? What do we, how do we, how do we, uh, how do we get through to to our people, especially the online community that's like throwing these invective comments, lambasting you and so forth? Like, how do we get how do we start? And then some of the people that may agree with Erica, but they're quiet about it. Right. Like they hit the like button, but they don't really you know, how do we how do we change? What are we doing here? What's our plan? I feel like the people that are quiet, we just have to place them where they would be most beneficial because everyone is not going to be the most vocal which is fine, but you may have some other resources that you can contribute that would help to get the mission accomplished if you do want to work behind the scenes. That's fine with me, you know? But I feel like the solution, like I said, is building a community for ourselves, you know, because I believe that um, there is no freedom without without economic freedom, you know what I'm saying? I feel like, like the majority of our problems would be solved once we have economic power. Like they won't be killing us in the streets because they know there will be ramifications for those actions. We'll put, we'll like, they'll lose their pensions, they'll lose everything, or we'll pull our money out of these companies, you know, if we had that economic power to do so. So I feel like that's what the main focus should be placed on is um, building a community of our own. And it's simple, like, you know, just supporting black businesses when you can, you know, and, taking the necessary steps to own land. You know, that is one of the biggest things. Like owning land is never a bad idea. That's mm-hmm. always a good thing to do. You know, so if we start there, that's the foundation of it, you know, because it could happen. I've seen it um, out here where I live. There was like a, a, a Mexican restaurant called Mi Ranchito. And they had one little location and um, they had all their family and friends working there. And then they bought another building. And then they got that location. And now there's like six different ones just out here, like in a span of um, like the 20 years that we've been out here. You know, they've built up those several different ones and now they have houses and properties and stuff. All it takes is just starting and understanding that we may not see the full benefit of it. We have to be selfless enough to know that we are planting seeds trees that we may never see but we have to start you know well let me play devil's advocate and and role play as the black liberal but but economics is is capitalism and the white man made capitalism so we can't do it with money you're you're perpetuating white supremacy when you say economics what do you say to that i say that capitalism well first of all the whole idea of commerce is not something that white people made up, first of all. You know, mm. we've been doing that before they existed. They're only six, approximately 6,000 years old, you know. So before they was thought of to come on the scene, to crawl out the caves that they came from, we were already doing this. You know what I'm saying? So they didn't come up with this idea of commerce. They didn't come up with this idea of buying and selling and bartering. You know, that's something that we've always had. And for those people who say that, I will say that you don't know your history because Mm. if you knew your history, you would know historically when we've had wealth and finances, the whole world has benefited from it. We know how to be good 
to everyone else when we have it. Like white people are the ones who get wealth and then wreak havoc on the whole world. Everywhere they go, they've left the trail of rape, slavery, genocide, death and destruction. That's not us. Everywhere we go, we bestowed knowledge. We went to Asia and they, so much to the point where they worshiped us. A black man went to Asia and became Buddha and they worshiped him because he bestowed so much knowledge and information. You know what I'm saying? Um, the Moroccan, the Moors, you know, they, they migrated up from Senegal and ruled Europe for approximately 800 years. They had wealth and resources. They single, they, first of all, they single-handedly pulled the nasty Europeans out of the dark ages. You know what I'm saying? They were nasty. It was on record that they bathed once a year. Despicable. You know what I'm saying? So it's called they, the great stink. Yeah. Just being nasty and gross. You feel me? How like you so nasty two thirds of your population die off because you just gross like that. You know, so like our people came up there and showed them how to wash themselves, build schools. Cause even at that time during the so-called dark ages, and they call it that because Africa was flourishing, but they, this is the dark ages. But anyway, like schools are being built, you know, illiterate kings to read. Cause at that point in time, European kings couldn't even read. They were illiterate. So all these schools are being built. So whenever we have wealth and, and finances and resources, we're always good with it. We always come and give information. So to any person who says that, any black liberal or whatever who says capitalism is so bad, you clearly know nothing of your own history. You don't know that when we have the resources, we do good with it and the whole world thrives because we, because the wealth is where it should be. You know, we've historically been good. Mansa Musa um, built the first ever university in Timbuktu and people from all over the world came and studied there. He didn't kill up a bunch of people and just go and try to destroy everyone else's history like they do when they have resources. So that's what I would say. If you, if you fix your mouth to say something like that, you don't know nothing about your history. Mm, mm. You think that the summation of history is what the Europeans did, which is despicable because they've only been here 6,000 years. You're going to equate how, how people act and what people do based on the 6,000 years of these despicable people as opposed to the hundreds of thousands of years that we've been around doing good for the world. Like learn something. Yeah. For real. I think I think the greater thing to learn is basic economics. There's a great book by Thomas Sowell, but um basic economics. I think e economics is natural, right? Uh right. resources have to be cultivated and they have to be transferred, right? right. And money is just a mechanism to transfer goods and services. That's that's, that's pretty much all it is. It's just a tool. Uh, money doesn't exactly hold any intrinsic value. Um, right. You know, even gold doesn't hold any intrinsic value as far as uh, wealth is concerned. I mean, today in modern history, obviously it does, but uh, gold is actually uh, much better off as, um, you know, something used to conduct electricity or, you know, like it has other purposes than just to be money, right? Right, exactly. um, but, but I don't think people understand the power of economics, right? And the power of economics means, um, first of all, we handle Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Are we creating all of our clothes from crop to sow, right? Right. Like from right. crop to sow. Because like you'll see, uh, some sisters was out in Cali, opened up a beauty supply store, and the Chinese people said, no, we're not even going to sell our products to you, and they went out of business. Or they can hike up the prices. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? So right. we have to right. own a supply chain as well. Mm -hmm. And that's part of economics, right? So people don't understand that 
if you're getting your food from the white man, your clothes from the white man, and your housing from the white man, you ain't got no power. And that is economics. Exactly. Exactly. That's yeah. exactly what it is. Like we can't, like we say all these things like revolution and all of that. How? Like you don't even have anything for yourselves. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't have any land. You don't know how to like, you don't know how to do anything. You don't like, you, like if, if, if everything shut down, electricity and gas and all that, you know, a lot of us wouldn't make it because we don't even have a clue. We don't know any type of skills. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm, I'm, I'm I made it a point to know how to do certain things. Like I know how to sew in case I need to make myself clothes because I have before. I know how to make pants, shirts, whatever. I know how to can. So I know how to wa um, water bath can for like fruits and vegetables and jams. And I know how to pressure can for meats and beans and things of that nature. You okay. know what I'm saying? I know like there's things that we need to know, like how to have heat and fire readily available, like all these sorts of things. Like people think I'm weird because I'd be going hiking and stuff. But I like, you never know, <laughs> you know, if you might be need to be in the mountains and can look at these rocks and tell that underneath this formation is, is a stream because that's what typically happens when this, you know, like there's certain things that we just need to know survival wise, you know, and, um, but we'd be talking about revolution and stuff like that and, you know, breaking out of the white man's world and you don't, you're like, so you're so intertwined into it that if it fell, like you wanted it to you would fall with it you know what i'm saying so it is all of that all of that we have to learn you know and, and be able to um get the resources for ourselves which is why land is so important like when you have your own land there's a lot that you can do on your own land there's a lot that you can grow on your own land and all of that so mm -hmm. you know. yeah and i think that's 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 the big problem i don't think people understand economics and you touched on something really fast mm -hmm. black people have been detached from nature right like we look at a black woman hiking and we go, oh, that's white people shit, right? I love hiking. Like, <laughs> hiking's dope. I love it too. I was a Boy Scout. I always loved hiking. But how have we become so detached from nature when that's who we were as a people? We were always attached to nature. I mean, I feel like a lot of us grow up in environments where we might not have access to, you know, if we're growing up in the city and things mm. that so it's not something that we get accustomed to at a young age, you know, like I started getting more like invested in that when we moved because we used to live in South Central LA. It's not like, granted, it's still California, you know, the Los Angeles area, but it was a lot, like it was the city, you know what I'm saying? It was South Central, it was a lot of cars, a lot of pollution, smog, all of that. So for, for a good portion of us, we don't really have like the luxury to just be out in nature like that, you know what I'm saying? Um, so I feel like that's why one of the reasons why we've gotten so detached from it, you know, and um, and I make it a point to get out in nature because not only is it good to just be able to um, spot different things and know which bushes are poisonous and which are not and stuff that you can eat and stuff that you can't, you know, not only is it good to know that, but it's just good to just for our mental health, you know, the sun and the all of that is just good for for our bodies as a whole. You know, we need that. We need that interaction interaction with the natural world with nature. So we're gonna wrap up here. Just wanna kind of summarize our talk. Um, give back to nature. Um, black man, reach out to black woman. Black woman, reach out to black man. Let's work together. It's not your fault. It's not her fault. Right. It's our fault. It's our responsibility. We're not blaming a white man no more. We're, we're so this is like the last thing I kind of want to touch on, right? Okay. And um, 
like I get people that send me links to like, look at this racist thing and this racist thing. And I'm like, I'm so past racism and I'm at the point of what are we going to do? You can complain about the bully, but when are you going to actually protect yourself from the bully? When are you going to insulate your community from the bully? And I think that's been the core of your message. Like, stop complaining about white supremacy. What are we going to do? Right. right. Exactly. Just complaining about You You fuck with Laura Hill? Uh, to a degree. Okay. She had that message in her music and her mm-hmm. and her philosophy was like, yo, forget them. What are we going to do? You know what I mean? Um, so I love that. I love that you picked up on that. Right. And it's just about like taking accountability and responsibility for us mm-hmm. and then building and moving forward. Right. Yeah. We move this forward because I feel like it's like some sort of latency. Okay. Um, so yeah. So wonderful talk, Erica. Thank you very much. I didn't think you was going to even reach back out. I didn't think I was going to get you on my channel. I've been wanting you on my channel for a really long time. I'm glad we had this talk. Um, I want to do another talk with you again, maybe in a few months or so. Um, I have a, a, a lot of black people I brought on my channel, some powerful people. Uh, you ever hooked up with uh, uh, Young Pharaoh? I haven't, no. I think you should link with Young Pharaoh. Now, let me just warn you, though. He ain't fucking with the Nation of Islam. <laughs> you know that? I don't think he would want to link with me. You don't think so? No, <laughs> I don't what? think so. Because I, of the Nation of Islam, he—he, he, I've never had a conversation with him, but he definitely got me blocked on Instagram. So, oh, oh, okay, that well, yeah, I guess he I wouldn't. Really think, I don't really think he'll rob with me. So, yeah, he, 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 he does not fuck with the Nation. He probably saw you post something from the Nation. He probably was just like block and <laughs> i'm not even done with the problems right mm-hmm. um and i understand both sides i understand your side and his side you know i love y'all both i love you i love what you do whatever you need from me whatever you need from hotep nation let me know um i'm planning a conference of powerful people to have a talk we'll probably do it virtually um we breaking bread too so you'll get paid um so if you're interested in something like that dm me let me know and uh, we'll work it out but again, tell the people where they can find you. Um, well, you can find me like all things Eric Lachey um, at Eric Lachey on all social media. So that's E R I C A L E S H A I, and um, my my music can be found that way as well. So it's underneath Eric Lachey. And I did want to thank you for reaching out to me, you know, and for allowing me to come on and and, and speak and have this conversation with you. It's really dope and much appreciated. Oh yeah, no problem. I'm here for my people, and I and and I like to highlight the great ones. You know, um, I'm still trying to get some of the black liberals. They won't come on my channel and talk to me. I think you know why, because they scared of that. They scared of that realness. But yeah, I'm I'm here for you, um, people. She has great music. I was listening to it. Really, really good. It touches your soul. Black music. Um, bring me back to the '80s and '90s when I used to listen to R&B. Like I had Case playing and. Joe and you know I used to play all that I used to be a big R&B dude you know more than rap really um so you taking me back to that you know the Carl Thomas and the music so child you taking me that that's so really what I'm trying to say is you hotel you make (laughs) (laughs) okay I rock with it in the good way and you make and, and we call that hotel music right 
Hotep music, yes. Yeah, we call and it I like what the live movement is gonna be. We need music that like shows the beautiful aspects of black love, you know, because that's what that's why I call it the love movement. It's a tribute to black love, you know, and what you know. It's gonna be dope, but that's what I wanted to make music because we have songs where we hurt and stuff, and I understand because I didn't wrote some songs where my feelings was hurt. But uh, we need a nice, healthy balance of like, you know, it's good to be black and in love and build, you know. Well, music is the key. That's how we push culture. Culture gets pushed through entertainment, right? right. That's that's the best way to push culture is through mm -hmm. entertainment. So we need people like you who are gonna push the, you know, it's fine that WAP exists, WAP or whatever the song is called. Fine, that exists. We've all, we've always had music like that that right. has existed. Mm -hmm. It may not have been mainstream <laughs> on the radio all day, right? <laughs> You know, it was around. Yeah, it was on uncut late at night. Yeah, I don't know if people remember that. You know, yeah. Like I'm in my early twenties and stuff. I'm like, y'all remember BET Uncut? They're like, what is that? I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> y'all remember BET Uncut? Okay. Yeah, yeah. After hours, you know, right. tip drill and all that came on, which is kind of different now. Like my homie, um, the Podfather, he does the Wasted Talent podcast. You know, he was talking about how. You no, know, WAP back in the day would have been pushed to late night. It wouldn't have been in our face. Right, you know? right. And I think kind of like that's the difference. But I'm glad your type of music exists. I'll do my very best to push it. Whatever you need from me, you know, let me know. Uh, Hotep Nation is behind you 100%. Thank you very much for talking to me today. Thank you. That's bless, bless. Hell yeah. People, that was uh, Erica Lachey. I'm gonna read some super chats before I go here. Um, if you got something to say before I go, um, Erica, you don't stay. I'm gonna close out this. I'm gonna close out. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, so if you have, so if you want to ask me a question real fast, you can. If you get the super chat in time, I'm just gonna read these off. Uh, Lauren literally says, uh, "There's a reason Fifty Shades of Grey sold millions." Real talk. Uh, Krista Mana, two dollar super chat. Thank you, Black Mountain Hotep. He said, "My world is insane right now." But I had to stop by, show love and absolute respect for the queen sister, RBG Colors. Love it. And the Hotep brother, I miss the family. Stay strong, stay elevated, Hotep. Black Mountain Hotep, if you ever need somebody to talk to, uh, DM me. I'll give you my phone number. I'm always here. I talk to my brothers and I talk to my sisters. Um, I'm, you know, I'm not a psychiatrist or a psychologist by any means, but um, it seems that um, that has been uh, a gift that God has given me. I'm really easy to talk to and a lot of people come to me about their problems i always keep things private but if you need an ear just to listen i'm here uh john j fight out super chat he said democracy is gay i thought you said uh hoteps don't vote uh well, actually america is not a democracy it's a republic so if you vote um it's it's not democratic uh so you're a bit um uh you're a bit flawed in in your argument there he said uh hoteps don't vote well let's talk about that right um First of all, I'm not going to speak for all Hoteps, but Hotep Jesus personally, you know, I don't vote. But I think there is power um, if you're going to swing vote, right? So if everybody's voting blue and then we jumped up in mass and voted red just to surprise the world, I think there's massive power that can come from that. But if you're going to go vote blue, it doesn't even make sense to go vote. That, that's what I think. Uh, John Jay said uh, Buddha had blue eyes and red hair. Oh, my, my troll, John Jay. Uh, Kent Thoreau, Hotep and Build. Yes, you already know, man. Hotep and Build. That's what it's all about. 
Um, somebody said uh, in a chat, unblock me on Twitter. Uh, you have to uh, donate to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Hotep Nation. Uh, if you get on the Patreon, I will consider blocking you. Um, he said, Hoteps don't tell Hotep what to do, suggests. Yeah, yeah, we, we're very uh, open-minded and free thinkers over here. We don't try to create some monolithic thought. I think we have, uh, thank you, Trish. Shout out to Trish in the chat. Shout out to Rada, Sketch Therapy holding me down, the moderators. But yeah, we, uh, you know, we try to, um, we're focused on, we, we, we know that the, the premise of our movement is about independence um, and, and moving forward as a strong, independent people. So that's what holds us together. But then the nuances allow us to uh, agree or disagree. Um, yeah, Common Sense America, you hit it on the head. You said the way you use your vote matters. Yeah, voting doesn't matter. But if you use it in a very interesting way, um, I think it, it does matter. So we have to be powerful uh, with our vote. Um, but again, this was an uncomfortable conversation with Hotep Jesus. Thank you very much for listening. Make sure you connect with uh, Erica Lachey and support our beautiful black sister. Uh, I think she's doing some amazing things out here. And uh, until the next time, I'm going to be speaking with uh, Uncle Hotep. Not next week, but the week after. I will not be uh, streaming next Friday, but I will be streaming the following Friday. Uh, and I'll be speaking to Uncle Hotep. And then I have uh, Quincy I'll be speaking to. He's a trucker. And um, I'll be bringing him on. We'll talk to him. He's got some he's a very, very entertaining guy. If anybody's been following Quincy, you guys may know who I'm referring to when I say Quincy, the trucker. Very, very entertaining individual. Um, but um, I'll be speaking with him following Uncle Hotep. Uh, uh, subscribe. Hit the like button before you leave. Hit the subscribe button, you know, down here somewhere. Uh, go ahead. Please hit the subscribe button. Locked in. Turn the notifications on. I only stream about three days a week. Wednesdays are my relationship show. Uh, Thursday is everybody's favorite podcast. Hotel's been told you. And then Fridays I do my interviews. Uh, I may add a stream here and there, um, but uh, that's the core of it all. Uh, so make sure you subscribe and like before you leave. And uh, thank you very much for listening.